listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. I got too many wires going on up here. Sorry about that. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate you trying to carry these people that have not had enough coffee, clearly. So at this place, when at the mission here, when I say good morning, everybody says it really loud, okay? So here we go. I'm, we're going to try it again. Whoa, I got too many wires going on up here. Wow. Oh, man. Well, good morning, everyone. There we go. That's my crew. That's my crew. Hey, I'm glad to see you guys this morning. Um, man, so I got a few things to share with you just real quickly. Um, next week, I know the bulletin says it's the special guest speaker is happening on Saturday, but we don't actually have church on Saturday. We have it on Sunday. So I apologize for that mix up. Whoever designed that thing is totally fired. So it, it's me. I'm fired. Uh, I, I made the mistake, so um, I apologize for that. But so next Sunday, we are going to have Dr. Bill Randall with us and, and his wife, Jill. And these two are some near and dear people to my heart. Um, they, he was actually my first pastor when I became a Christian, and he married Kim and I. And this guy is like, to speak geek, he's, he's like a Jedi. Like he's, he's like a hero of the faith to me. I love Bill. And so he's going to come speak with us. He's also going to be doing some training with our leadership on Saturday. So uh, I really invite you, please make sure to make plans to be here next week and bring a, and bring a friend if you're able, um, because it's going to just be so good. But, but today... We are wrapping up our current sermon series, The Great Commission, and I've been talking to a lot of people who have been deeply moved by this series so far and, and are hungry, really hungry to move into action, and, and this is an answer to prayer, that I, a prayer that I've had for a while now as the, as the leader of, the, of this church, and, and more than ever right now, our faith community seems like we are ready to go, right? And, and because after all, that's like what the Great Commission tells us to do, right? In Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, um, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I am with you always to the very ends of the age. And Jesus didn't say, you know, open up the church doors, brew the really good coffee, right, and, and pray that people will come through those doors that you can then make disciples, right? No, he said, he said what? Go, right? He said go, right? He, he, he never said, um, you know, just fling the doors open and hope that they come in, right? He said go. He said go to them. Leave this place of comfort uh, where, where you're used to receiving and go give what you have received 
to others, right? And, and where, we, where we get into trouble as the big C church, like the church worldwide, is, is when we start to get too comfortable where, where we are receiving. And, and we don't sometimes ever think about giving it away to others. We just want to receive. And, and um, like, here's a not very well... This kind of mentality creates a blockage because our faith becomes all about us, right? It becomes about what we're getting out of it rather than making the name of Jesus famous. And this kind of faith creates a blockage. It creates a logjam, right? And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, uh, gonna to tell you a very not, a not very well-kept secret, okay? Are, are you ready for me to share a secret? Um, you, you can't outgive God. Like you just can't outgive God. The more you give Jesus away to others, the more Jesus will inhabit your life. And, and I'm not talking about like prosperity gospel, like name it and claim it. I'm, t- I'm talking about evangelism here. I'm talking making the name of Jesus known on the earth. Because as we discussed in week one, the entirety of the Bible tells a story of a loving creator that wants to be known in his true nature by his creation. and God wants to be known, and Jesus made it clear that he will not return to claim his throne upon the earth until every person of every nation, of every tribe and tongue has heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And more than ever, it seems like our church is ready to go, and just rightfully so, because that's what Jesus asked us to do. And, but what does it mean to go? What does it look like to be sent by Jesus? For, for that, I would like you to turn to the book of Luke, chapter 9. And so there are two separate occasions where Jesus sends his followers out to tell people about the kingdom of God. And, and the first one is uh, he, he's sending out his 12 disciples, right? And so Luke chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, let's go ahead and read that. One day Jesus called together his 12 disciples and gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all disease. Then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't Take a walking stick or a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their fate. So they begin their circuit of the village preaching the good news and healing the sick. Now that's one occasion. That's when he sent out the 12 disciples. The, the other occasion is later on in Luke, Luke chapter 10. So you shouldn't have to turn very far. Um, yeah, this is just after Jesus has fed the 5,000 people and he's predicted his death two separate times and he's been doing a ton of teaching on the kingdom of God to the crowds of people who would follow him from place to place. And Luke chapter 10 Uh, begins with Jesus sending out 72 of his other disciples to places that he plans on visiting himself. And uh, 
we find his instructions to those people as they're being sent ahead of him in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 through 11. And so let's go ahead and read that. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Uh, These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember that I am sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor traveler's bags, nor an extra pair of sandals. And don't stop to greet anyone on the road. Wherever you enter, whenever you enter someone's home, first say, may God's peace be on this house. If those that If those who live there are peaceful, then the blessing will stand. If they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking whatever they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into its streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. Okay, so first, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples, right? His 12 compadres. And and. He sends them out on kind of like a short-term, you know, trip and, and that they would soon return from. And, and then later on, he sends out a larger number of people to, to, who are going to prepare for his arrival in these places. And if you look at these two accounts of Jesus sending his disciples out, there are some clear themes that, that stand out. And in both cases, Jesus tells them that their priority is to share the good news and heal the sick. I believe in our next sermon series, actually, we have a a teaching coming up on what the Bible has to say about healing. Um, But both times, Jesus tells his disciples that their priority is to share the gospel and heal the sick. And to the 72 disciples, he even says, don't even greet people on the road. Like, I, Carlos, I know how you like to talk to people on the road. Like, like I don't even greet people on the road. Like, stay focused, right? Stay focused on the task at hand, right? And in the same vein, Jesus tells both of the disciples, both sets of disciples, don't even take anything with you. Just don't even take anything with you. Not money, not an extra pair of sandals, not your Axe body spray, nothing, right? <laughs> like, like, because for some reason in my head, the disciples kind of smell like 13-year-olds for some reason. I, I don't know why, but um, anyways, G, but just don't even take anything with you. Don't take anything with you. Um, Jesus is encouraging them to trust God to provide their every need because nothing they could bring with them will make them any more prepared for the task at hand anyways. The power and the authority that Jesus gave them by itself, by itself, was enough. For me and you today, that power comes from the Holy Spirit, which is Christ at work 
in us and the Word of God stored up in our heart. The guidance of those two things alone are what we are to rely on as we strive to make disciples of Jesus, whether it be in our neighborhoods or in the nations of the earth. The disciples are also told to stay in one house. Jesus said, don't be jumping from house to house looking for the nicest house. Like, Don't be jumping from house to house looking for better accommodations. Stay in one home. Develop a relationship with your host. Accept their hospitality. Whatever food they put in front of you, eat it, which would be the hardest part for my youngest son because he doesn't want to eat anything but peanut butter sandwiches all day long. But I digress. Um, but eat whatever they put in front of you, right? And, 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 I, and I think what Jesus is trying to get across here is that there is a personal element to sharing the gospel. So many Christians call Jesus their personal Lord and Savior, but are afraid to get personal when it comes to sharing Jesus, There's a big difference between just walking up to a stranger on the road and trying to tell them about Jesus versus gathering in a home around a meal and sharing all the things that the Lord has taught you and done in your life. And and don't get me wrong, I think there's a place for for both of those things in the right context. But, But both times, Jesus sends these disciples out. He encourages them to be personable. In both cases of Luke 9 and 10, Jesus also says something that can maybe seem a little harsh. Uh, He says that if a town doesn't receive you and the message you bring, shake the dust off your feet as you leave that town. Jesus is saying if you present the gospel in the best way you know how, in the power of the Holy Spirit, in the truth of God's word, and your message that the kingdom of near, the, the kingdom is near, is rejected, you're not responsible for their response. Too many times we get caught up in trying to change a person's mind and not continuing to witness to the others around us that might be open to the gospel. And Jesus says. If they reject the message of the gospel and thereby reject me, shake the dust. So to sum up Jesus' instructions from both accounts. So your main job is to heal the sick and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. Don't take anything material with you. Because the power and authority you have received from me is all that you need. Trust God the Father to provide for you. Develop relationships. Be personable. And accept people's hospitality. And if you come to a place where they are not open to the message of the gospel, move on to a place that is. Now it's vital that we as Christ followers understand what it means to be sent in the name of Jesus. Because just as the 72 disciples were sent out to prepare for Jesus' coming, so are we. Because Jesus is coming back one day. (laughs) Right? Jesus says, I love the enthusiasm, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus says that in Matt, 
Matthew 24, that the kingdom must be proclaimed to everyone on earth before he will return to claim his throne on the earth, which means every person on earth from every nation, tribe, and tongue needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, which means we have work to do. So my question for you today is, where are you being sent? Where are you being sent? Where is Jesus sending you? The Christian Missionary Alliance, which is our denomination, uh, if you don't know, believes firmly that we are all being sent in one form or another. The CMA believes deeply in the commission of Jesus to his disciples in Acts 1.8, which says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And when you break this scripture down for us today, those locations, it probably looks a little something like this. It probably looks like this. So, to the disciples Jesus was speaking to, Jerusalem kind of would have been their, home, their hometown, their home base. Judea would have been uh, their own culture, right? But Jesus calls them beyond that. He says, be my witnesses not only in Jerusalem and Judea, but also in Samaria, which would have been a different culture that was nearby. <clears throat> And when Jesus closes his statement out, just to make sure nobody is left out, he says, be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Be my witnesses worldwide, to the ends of the earth. But despite our differences, Despite our differences, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for everyone. So why is it so important for us to have this understanding of Acts 1.8? Well, let me tell you, it's because uh, right this very second, like this second right now, this very second, we are living in unprecedented times. There has never, ever been another moment like the moment we are in right now. The Lord is literally shaking the nations as we speak. People who were those ends of the earth people are now in our backyard. Yes. It's literally never been easier to reach the people of the end of the earth. Right? Like, and... Coming to share now with us is, is a really good friend of mine. He's coming to share about a rare opportunity that we have as a church to get involved in a deeply impactful cross-cultural ministry that is in an area not too far from us. And, and please, uh, would you welcome my, my dear friend, Dan Allen. Hey, Mission. Good to see you guys. Great to be here. I, um, I'm thrilled to be here and just to share with you a couple things that are just amazing. As uh, 
Pastor Jason said, you know, God is shaking the world. It's never been a time like this in history. Over almost 300 million people are shaken out of their places, out of their homes, out of their countries, not by choice, but because the world is in turmoil. And God's moved them all different places, and many of them he's moved to our backyard. Isn't that amazing? I live in the Temecula Valley area, and Kathy and I, that's Kathy, my beautiful wife, uh, and, and Kathy and I moved there almost 16 years ago. And uh, it's been really interesting to watch. When we moved there, it felt like America. It just felt like just kind of, you know, vanilla America. People that you would expect to see, you saw, you know, races and stuff, but just normal. But then you start to see people in the last probably five, eight years, people who look very different. And, and what I mean by that is women who wear the hijab, the, 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 the veil, and, and I'm thinking, wow, this is interesting. And then I find out there's two mosques in the Temecula Valley. And I'm thinking, That's, this is just abnormal. I, I, I didn't grow up this, you know, in this kind of situation, but what an open door. What an open opportunity. Well, here's, here's the cool thing. Uh, just real quick to introduce me. I, I work with the Christian Missionary Alliance, the district that this church is part of. And the Christian Missionary Alliance is, is, a, is a global group of churches all around the world, over 20,000 churches, started 130 years ago, just a movement of God where people came together who are passionate about reaching others who haven't heard about Jesus, who don't have the hope of the gospel, who don't have the hope of eternity with God. And so that's the passion that kind of moves the alliance all over the world. And in the United States, we have about 2,000 churches. In our district, we have about 100 churches. And you're part of that family. And we like to say that we're an Acts 1-8 family of churches meaning exactly what Pastor Jason just said, we're about reaching people in our own neighborhood and in our community, but also people different than us. The Samaria, I like to call Samarica. There's people in our midst, people in our neighborhood, so to speak, that are different than us. And, and they're, they're, they're people God wants to reach with the good news of Jesus. So I, I wanted to share that with you because we have an incredible opportunity. I want to show you a quick video, and then I'm going to just make some comments about it, but here's the context of the video. About four years ago, um, God called a, a guy who speaks Arabic. He's actually from the Middle East, uh, and he's from, from uh, the country of Jordan, and uh, God called him to plant a church, and he found himself in a community of people who speak Arabic. Because down in just east of San Diego in El Cajon, there's about 85,000 Middle Easterners. And God has brought those people, as, as Pastor Jason just said, he's shaken the world and he brought them to our backyard. They're an hour and a half, two hours from here. It's amazing. So here's a quick video to show you a little bit what's happening there, and I'll make some comments after that.
Hi, this is Pastor Dan Bender, and along with my friend, Pastor McRom, we started the Family Welcome Center in El Cajon, California. God has brought thousands of Middle Eastern refugees to our city. They've come from places like Iraq, Jordan, Turkey, Syria, and other countries. They've been through war. They've come through financial adversity. They've been from country to country. Some have been in refugee camps. Basically, their experiences have not been good, and they come here to us confused, sometimes lonely, broken. Uh, many of them have been traumatized, and they've also been told that either Christians or America in general will be a hostile place, that our faith and our culture and everything is completely different. They are pleasantly surprised when they meet believers in Jesus' name that love them and are kind and gentle and caring, and we simply want to serve them. So we help them with practical needs, uh, clothing, furniture, housing. We teach them English, citizenship, teach them how to make a resume, help them with job search. Basically, anything we can do to help them get settled here, to help them feel home, to help them feel welcome, to help them assimilate to our culture and build a new life. We also, as we build relationships, tell them clearly that we believe God brought them here for a purpose, and we'd like to help them little by little discover what that purpose is. Of course, because we're believers, our ultimate goal is to share the Lord Jesus Christ with many of these people who've never heard the name or understood why he came to be the Savior. So our mission statement is simple. We simply are here to serve the refugee community and to introduce them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now here's where you come in. We need helpers. We need partners. We need you to come down and volunteer to check it out, to see what God is doing in El Cajon. We can introduce you to a refugee family, a Muslim family. You can go into a home or apartment. You can eat with them. You can have a chance to hear their stories. I guarantee you it'll challenge you. It'll touch your heart. We'd love to introduce you. We'd love to have you help welcome some new families to America and little by little teach them about the hope we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you for watching. We hope to see you in El Cajon in the future. Bye-bye. Greater things have yet to come And greater things are still to be done in this city Greater things have yet to come And greater things are still to be done in this city Acts chapter 17 um, Paul, the Apostle Paul, found himself in the city of Athens and Athens, uh, the people there had never heard about Jesus. And he made these comments. He said, from one nation, he, God, he was trying to introduce the idea of the biblical God to these people in Athens. And he said, from one nation, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he's not far from all of us. Job chapter 12, verse 23 is kind of a world-shaking verse. Job said, he makes the, great, he makes the nations great. He destroys them. 
He enlarges nations and he disperses them. God is in charge. And all this we're experiencing is not an accident. It's part of his plan. And when people come to El Cajon, to the Family Welcome Center, we tell them, God brought you here. Believe it or not, God brought you here. We want to share the love of Jesus with you. One of the guys who came uh, from Afghanistan, young guy, probably 30-ish. That that may not be young to you if you're 20, but anyway. But to me, that's young. Um, But a young family, um, he and his wife had a couple kids. And they came to the Family Welcome Center from Afghanistan. And he said this, I've experienced Islam. I don't want to be a Muslim. That's an example of how God has opened the hearts of people in just profound ways. He's shaken their world. He's made them see things they've never seen before and, and, and viewed their world from an, a, a, an angle, from a, from a perspective that they haven't had before. And the consequence is their hearts are open. I was there one time and a woman came in you know, people arrive, let me just give you a couple context things. People arrive, and the U.S. government decides, you know, there's people here who, who speak your language, so we'll help you settle there because that's a place where we can put refugees and you can actually figure out how to navigate a little bit. But part of the plan is you have to go take English classes. And so people arrive, and they have no language skills. They've never spoken English. They can't read the can can on the shelf in the, in the grocery store. They can't tell that it's rice in that box or whatever because they can't read the words. And this woman came in and she had a piece of mail and she wasn't sure what it was, but she had had an English class and she recognized the word American. And it had a seal on it, it looked really official, and she brought it in and she was worried because she wasn't sure if she was in trouble. And she asked for help. Can you read this to me? Can you tell me what this is? It was junk mail from American Express. Okay. They don't have American Express junk mail in the Middle East. But but in America we do. So, but all that to say, can you imagine if you were just dropped into a place in the world where you had no language skills, no ability to communicate, no ability to understand, that's what they're experiencing. But here's the cool thing. If you and I had gone five or 10 years ago to Baghdad to try to tell people about Jesus, they'd probably kill us. In fact, some of the immigrants have told us that. But they come here, and unlike that guy in Afghanistan, where if he had said that in his home country, I don't want to be a Muslim, they would have killed him. He said that. But here, they have the freedom to think they have the freedom to speak. They have the freedom to ask questions. Their hearts are open. It's amazing. And so all that to say, we have this incredible opportunity. And I want to just give you some ideas, the ways that you as individuals and you as a church can, can connect with this opportunity. Uh, the Family Welcome Center basically is open five days a week, providing news classes, you know, the computer lab, things that we just saw on the screen. But in addition, there's some specific activities that happen. Um, for example, uh, right the, the week right after Easter, uh, we're taking families, Muslim families, 
to camp. Now, when they arrive here, the federal government gives them a couch and a table. No, I'm sorry, a bed and a table. That's it. That's all they get. They don't have couch chairs. They don't have stuff in their kitchen. So we have a, a, a bunch of people who volunteer to provide, just donate things because they have nothing. And so there's a great opportunity to connect with people, but then they don't have transportation. They don't have a driver's license. They don't have a car. They're in an apartment. And basically their world is their apartment. Kids go to school and there's maybe a park nearby. That's it. Well, we're taking Muslim families to camp. It costs $500 to sponsor a family. It's a three-day camp. And the families will come together. There will be nobody else at this camp. It's the Pines down near San Diego. And basically the plan is parents will understand where their kids are. They'll understand what their kids are being taught. The kids will have activities. The kids will have Bible lessons. The parents will be taught. But they're going to hear stuff that they've never heard before. And it's an incredible opportunity. So if you wanted to sponsor a family, you could do so for $500. Another example, um, if you had time, you could volunteer and just be a friend there. When people are taking English classes, they go back home. They sit in a class of 30 or 40 people. They learn to recognize words, repeat them by rote afterwards. Then they go back home to their apartment and speak Arabic to their friends and family. They never learn. They can take two, three, four years of English classes and still not know how to speak English because they don't have a friend who says, help me, let me help you understand. Let me help you learn to speak. So the volunteer opportunity is not only five days a week, and I, I recognize a lot of folks can't do this, but we have volunteers who come and attend the English classes and then hang out and just our, our language partner just to learn to speak. But the other opportunity is the, the camp. That again, it's just a friendship opportunity to be with people, interact with people, talk with people, let them help, help them understand the language. Another thing that we do um, is the back to school, this comes in August, but um, back to school backpack giveaway. We, we gather, we gave away three, 400 backpacks last year. And the families come, they're so grateful, they have nothing. They, they have nothing. And so it's, they're so grateful for the generosity. In addition, around Thanksgiving and Christmas, we do a, a, a dinner, two, 300 people. We feed Muslims together, we feed Christians together. And I say Christians in quotes, because if you're not, if the Middle East you're not Muslim, then you're Christian. Um, so non-Muslim and Muslim families, and we do two separate dinners for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. You saw some pictures from the Thanksgiving uh, dinner on the screen. And the other final thing I want to share with you is really cool, is you can help financially. Um, direct giving, but also there may be something creative, and I want to give you an example of something really, really cool. One of our churches that really loves what God is doing there and is really engaged with that, um, and it's a multicultural church, but they thought, you know, we have creative people in our church. How about, and wouldn't it be great to, for our children to comprehend a little bit of what it's like to be a refugee? So 
they are writing and illustrating a children's book. And the purpose is twofold. We want our kids to understand, but if God opens the door to publish that book and have money flow from that, we want those dollars to go to the Family Welcome Center. Isn't that cool? So that's just a creative idea, and God may give you something creative to do. But the idea is, how can God, if he engages our hearts, then how does he want us to serve? And I just want to leave that with you because, frankly, God will give you the ideas that he wants to give you. So thanks so much. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. So I would, I would love to see, personally, I'm just going to put this challenge out. Uh, I would personally love to see this church sponsor two families to go to that camp. Um, I, think, I think we can put together $1,000. And so if you'd like to contribute to, to two families going and experiencing uh, an extended weekend for with just Christians and, and, and the love of Jesus and children's ministry, um, uh, you can either put a check in that says fam, uh, Family Welcome Center, or you can put cash in an envelope and, mar- and mark it Family Welcome Center as well when the offering goes by. Um, but I, 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 think, I think we can do that. Do you guys think we can do that? Okay. I'm going to let that one slide. I'm going to let that one slide. That was a little iffy. I'm going to let it slide. But here's the thing. I realize to some of you guys, to some of you guys, what we're talking about sounds really scary. Like maybe, maybe you're relatively new in your faith and, and you're thinking like, whoa, this is, this is a lot. You know, this is, this is scary. The Lord in the very same great commission that he sends us out makes a promise that we can cling to, and it's this. In, the, in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, um, actually just starting at 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, not just ours, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And here comes the promise that we can cling to when we feel afraid, when something feels new about this. And be sure of this. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Take heart, take courage, step out and love people of all nations. Um, Well, let's pray. And I'd like to call the ushers forward now. And the worship team, you guys can come up as well. Father God, we thank you for this rare opportunity that we have. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing among the nations right now. We, we thank you that your ways are beyond our ways and your understanding is beyond our understanding, Lord. And so we trust you. We trust you because we know that you are good and we know that you are kind, Father, and that you uh, will have your glory, Lord. If we do not praise you, the rocks will cry out and sing your praises, God. So, Lord, Father, this ministry has been on my heart for a long time, and uh, I believe that we could have our church 
be a longtime partner of this ministry, God. So I pray that you would burden the hearts of others for this vital ministry that's happening. Lord, open our eyes uh, to see how we can embrace cross-cultural ministry even here in Redlands, Lord. Um, God, I, I pray, Lord, that you bless this offering, Lord. I, we give back to you what is already yours. We, we just are, we recognize that everything we have comes from you, Lord. That you, you've, you've given us everything, Lord, and, 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 the, and you, the giver, are, are good, Father. And so we recognize that now, Lord. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.